As the high school football season rolls on, we've got you covered. It's on the way. It's high enough. It's long enough. It's good. It's oh, my good. goodness. It's good. They win it. They win it. Are you kidding me? What a game. Woo! This is Next Round Preps on the Double Down Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, John Lunsford and Jerry Young. And welcome in to another edition of Next Round Preps right here, nextroundlive.com and the Double Down Podcast Network. John Lunsford, Jerry Young here with you as we are now into the third round of the high school playoffs, the quarterfinals in 1A through 6A and the semifinals in Class 7A. We'll get to the big matchups between Auburn and Central Phoenix City. And, of course, that matchup will be at between Thompson and Hoover later in the podcast. But first, Jerry, let's jump down to Class 1A where uh, we're down to eight teams, but it's eight teams that we're kind of used to seeing. Well, you know, we haven't talked about Class 1A through 4A much on this podcast, so we thought, you know, these teams, they make it this far, it's time to start paying some attention to them. So in the the bracket in 1A, you got Keith matched up against Brantley as Brantley will travel to Keith. In 1A, two names that, if anybody knows anything about high school football in Alabama, Sweetwater and Maplesville. Sweetwater travels to Maplesville. Sweetwater beat Kinston last week 54-7. Maplesville just squeaked by a very good Linden team, 22-15. So that'll be the matchup there. On the other side in the north, Woodland will travel to Wadley, and Pickens County will travel to Decatur Heritage. Yeah, Pickens County, a team we, we see a lot. Decatur Heritage, a team we see a lot. Of course, Maplesville, the run they went on with Terrence Dunlap and Nathaniel Watson, who's now in Mississippi State. They were there a lot. Sweetwater, like you mentioned, taking on Maplesville. And Brantley, a team who's there all the time. So a lot of teams we know in Class 1A. When it comes to the lower classifications, 1A, 2A, 3A, there's about four or five teams you can write and pin. No matter where they are in the bracket, they're going to move on to the next round. 2A really is no different with some of the teams we have there. B.B. Comer, they beat Isabella, a team who a lot of times is competing um, in their respective classifications and make a little bit of a run. B.B. Comer won 34-25 over Isabella. They'll host Clark County, who beat Ayrton last week by a touchdown. Lynette, a team we're used to seeing in the uh, making a run towards the Super 7. They beat Luverne, who I believe still has the highest um, streak of playoff runs or consecutive playoff years. Um, they followed Lynette that 33 to nothing Highland home they beat Elba a team we typically see the flying squadron shut them out 32 to nothing so Highland home will host Lynette in the quarterfinals in the northern half southeastern making a little bit of a run as a three seed they will travel to Cleveland who's the two seed out of that same region Cleveland beat midfield a super high scoring game 61 to 46 in that one Mars Hill a team that has been absolutely on fire in the class 2a the last couple of uh, classifications I would be willing to bet they're going to move up I don't know how their points are for the competitive balance thing, but they are private schools. So I'd be willing to bet they're probably going to move up to 3A next year, regardless of where their uh, student body is at. They beat Tanner last week 47-20. They'll host Spring Garden, who's another good team. They beat Aliceville by 5, 40-35. So Mars Hill will host Spring Garden in the northern half of 2A. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Southeastern. Southeastern coming off wins from Lexington and Sullivan. That's a good football team. A lot of folks are not familiar with Southeastern, but it's uh, – a school in Rimlap, Alabama, a private school up there. They're the Mustangs. They play very good brand of football, and I'm looking for forward to a matchup. I think Mars Hill and Southeastern will square off, even though a lot of people believe that Cleveland will take that, that game. Yeah, Cleveland, Southeastern, Spring Garden, three of the four teams all from the same region there in Class 2A. 
All right, Class 3A, as we move on, Montgomery Academy, they beat Trinity 21-17, two solid teams we've talked about before. They will host T.R. Miller, who beat Op 35-14, had somebody message me from Bruton, and they're like, hey, uh, what do you think T.R. Miller or Op? Is there a chance to win this game? And I said, yeah, T.R. Miller's going to win that game. I mean, don't get me wrong, Op's a good team, but yes, T.R. Miller's going to win that one. And they're like, I don't know. It was 35-14, T.R. Miller got that win. They'll travel to Montgomery Academy. I think maybe the best pound-for-pound team so far this season, even statistically ahead of Thompson in a lot of categories, Montgomery Catholic, they have been phenomenal. They beat Houston Academy 56-7 in the first round. They beat Bayside Academy 31-0 in the second round. They're going to host Hillcrest Evergreen, a team that's made a little bit of a run the last few years here, who beat Slocum by two um, last week. So Hillcrest will travel to Montgomery Catholic. And in the North, Fife, they'll host Sachs. Fife beat J.B. Pennington. Sachs beat Oakman. Sachs will travel to Fife. Sachs the home of our own Ryan Brown and Piedmont they beat Lauderdale County they will host Winfield who beat Ohatchee everybody just assumed you're going to have Fife and the three team three top teams from region five but Ohatchee fell to Winfield pretty good 56 to 27 Piedmont will host Winfield there so Sachs and Piedmont the top two teams there um, Piedmont actually was a third seed but Ohatchee got ahead on tiebreakers and uh, Sachs and Piedmont moving on but Fife is always a team you got to watch out for yeah and I tell you how good uh, this Piedmont team is they lost to Alexandria the last game of the season, but only lost by a score of 25 to 20. If you'll remember, Alexandria, the last uh, week before that, hammered leads that was undefeated. So uh, a fact that they could stay on the field with a team like Alexandria, that'll give you an idea of just how powerful this 3A team is. And you mentioned T.R. Miller. You can put T.R. Miller as one of those five in there. Uh, you know, they're always going to be in there. The Tigers know how to play football. They're the most winningest team in Alabama in football. So congratulations to them for making it that far. All right, Class 4A, as we move on, some more names we're, t- we're used to seeing in the playoffs when it comes to Class 4A. One of those, American Christian out of Tuscaloosa. They beat Jacksonville 49-35. They'll move on and travel to Viger, who was in 4A after the last reclassification. They dropped from 5 to 4A, and they beat Clark, or excuse me, Cherokee County 34 to nothing. Viger has yet to give up a point, 40 to nothing over West Blockton in round one, uh, 34 to nothing over Cherokee County. Viger, American Christian, should be a heck of a ball game. You're not kidding. And Viger's going to be ready to play. Of course, they get the staying at home, the home field advantage, so that's good as well. Here's a game coming up, John. Hanley travels to Jackson. And I, I know over the years we mentioned Jackson and all that Black Belt area of Alabama, such a good football area. That whole team will shut down for three or four miles outside of town. They'll probably be roadblocks up just to keep everybody in and people out while they play this game. But this Hanley team is a good team, I'm going to tell you. But Jackson, and the name of that field, by the way, is Legion Field. I always thought that was really cool. But uh, the visitors' uh, press box is terrible. I mean, you got literally one little window. You had to take turns. If you and I were in there, we'd take turns looking at the field. I'd call the play. You'd back up and analyze. So it's kind of weird. But – but they're, they're a good football team. And also, Central of Clay County actually beat Hanley. That's the only loss that they've had the last game of the season as they go out of conference to play. They beat them 30-16. to 16. Since then, though, Hanley's won every game.
and the teams they beat in the second round, Hanley beat Bibb County, who we talked about being really good there, um, second seed out of Region 3, and then Jackson beat the one seed out of Region 2 in St. James. So Jackson, um, the only reason they're a two seed is because Viger is the team who won that region. So Viger and Jackson both moving on from Region 1. In the north, Madison Academy, a team who's always making a run towards the Super 7. They bumped up to 5A. They're back down to 4A now. They beat Priceville 35-7. They'll travel to Good Hope, who beat Northside in the second round 35-21. And then Brooks, they beat Randolph 42-21. Brooks, a team that you may not see make it all the way to the Super 7, but usually can win a few playoff games. They're going to take on a team that we see in the playoffs a lot in Aniana, who beat Gordo. Gordo moved up from 3A to 4A in the reclassification. They fall to Aniana 36-26. Yeah, but Brooks undefeated this year. They haven't lost a game. They even won. They beat Lauderdale County the last game, and then in the playoffs, they beat Dora and Randolph. Scored 41 and 42 points respectively. So Aniana's going to have their hands full, especially traveling to Brooks as Aniana had a loss back earlier in the season. Only one. That was to Etowah, and that was a region game. Since then, they've run the table. This, to me, is a matchup above all matchups in 4A. Yeah, I like Brooks just barely in this one over Aniana to take on Madison Academy in the semis. And then I think you have Viger and Jackson in another rematch there in the semis from the south because those two teams are just so good. Not to say ACA and Hanley aren't good teams as well. They both are teams that can make runs towards uh, the Super 7 as well. All right, Class 5A, we'll talk about that before we head to break here. Um, we're kind of getting to the upper classifications here. One team that did have to move up due to competitive balance, that is UMS Wright. They beat Greenville 14-12, to just barely beat Greenville in that one. They'll have to travel to Andalusia. Andalusia and UMS Wright, when they were in 4A together, were in the same region. They'd bump up. They're in separate regions now. Andalusia in Region 2, they beat Demopolis 40 28-26, big win there, beating Silicaga as the lower-seeded team, beating Demopolis as the lower-seeded team. We'll see if they can do it to UMS Wright, who is the higher-seeded team, but UMS Wright has to travel to Andalusia. Faith Academy, they beat Central Clay County. You mentioned that was the one uh, loss Hanley had. Central Clay County, they fall 40-33, to top seed out of Region 4, so Faith Academy moves on as the three-seed from Region 1. And Pike Road, they beat the two-seed from uh, Region 1, St. Paul's, 29-17. to St. Paul's head coach now stepping down. Yeah, and I think, I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not, but I'm going to tell you, Pike Road's for real. They have not lost a game. They have hung as many as 76 points on the board. Another, uh, that's against McGill Tulin, 60 against Charles Henderson, 56 against Headland. I mean, this offense, another 56 against Calhoun. Faith Academy is going to have to bring their best game because Pike Road's going to score. It's going to be a score fest. We'll see who ends up winning it. Faith Academy knows how to put points on the board as well. They do. Uh, Steve Mass, the head coach there at St. Paul's, really good career, winning Super 7s, but they fall to Pike Road. This Pike Road offense is legit. In the northern half, a um, little bit of a shock as Parker beat Alexandria 41-34. to You mentioned Alexandria having that close game there towards the end of the season, but um, Alexandria 34-41, they fall to Parker. Parker, the two seed out of Region 1. Pleasant Grove, the one seed, they move on as well. Parker will travel to Fairview, who beat Russellville. A little bit of a shock there as Russellville, the top seed, falls from Region Region 8. Center point, they beat Ramsey in the lowest scoring game of the weekend, 9 to nothing. When I saw that score at halftime, you get me to go through and read scores from different games and I want to say it was 3 nothing at halftime, maybe. It was a low enough score that I'm thinking, oh, my score sheet hadn't updated yet. You know, there just hadn't been an update from this game. No, it really was that low score, and the final ended up being 9 nothing. George Bates squad, they're going to move on and take on Pleasant Grove, who beat Leeds 35 to nothing. So far, Pleasant Grove has yet to give up a point. They beat Douglas 55-0 in the first round, beat Leeds 35-0 in the second round. So Centerpoint will host Pleasant Grove. Fairview will host Parker. 
George Bates and I go back several years. I know he enjoys listening to this podcast, but I'm going to tell you, Center Point's got their hands full with another great Pleasant Grove team. These Spartans, they know how to win ball games. They've been region champs uh, last uh, uh, 2010. It's been since then since they were region champs, but they know how to win. This is going to be a tight ball game in 5A. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really fun semifinal as I think UMS Wright moves on. Pike Road moves on, so UMS Wright take, with a really solid defense taking on Pike Road with a really solid offense. And then Pleasant Grove and Parker in a rematch of the top two teams from Region 5 as Parker beats Fairview, I think, and Pleasant Grove does get the better of center point. All right, that's Class 1A through 5A. When we get back, we'll look at 6A and 7A and, of course, preview the big matchup between two top 25 teams in the country with Hoover and Thompson when we get back right here on Next Round Preps. At Albritton and Artavino Family Dentistry, we know how valuable your time is. So if it's a crown you need, let us take care of it with our same-day crown service. We have the latest technology allowing us to build your custom crown right here in our office while you wait. Albritton and Artavino Family Dentistry is here to serve you. Albritton and Artavino are easy to find. Exit 238, that's the Alabaster exit, next door to American Family Care, or call them at 205-664-7610. Chub Father's got them burgers that be banging. Wings tenders, poor boys, hoagies that be slaying. Hunger like no other. Be good to one another so we can all be cool again. Be your brother's keeper, feed the people. Don't talk about it, be about that equal. Let's grow and grab some grub. I'm giving hunger hugs. Chub Father's, man, it's all about the love. Chub Father's in Alabaster. Hey everyone, this is Chris Stewart, and I want to tell you about a show I'm proud to be a part of, spotlighting Alabama high school athletes. It's called High School Sports Weekly, presented by OS1 Sports Injury Clinic, and it can be found on Facebook Watch as well as YouTube. We release videos each month spotlighting athletes that have unique stories of triumph and perseverance, as well as coaches, family members, and teachers that have helped them along the way. We also spend time meeting players and coaches of all sports throughout the entire school year. So be sure to follow us on Facebook or just Google High School Sports Weekly to watch these amazing stories. That's High School Sports Weekly presented by OS1 Sports Injury Clinic. Welcome back in to Next Round Preps. Thank you so much to all of our sponsors for supporting this podcast throughout the season. Uh, Obviously, high school football couldn't go on without all the support from the fans, the sponsors, the students, the teachers, everybody that is involved with high school football. All right, Jerry, let's move on to Class 6A, where um, you know I think maybe the the fourth best team resides overall in the state. I think if you went the top three, you could put in any order right now since uh, Thompson and Hoover have played each other. Hoover won that one. A lot of people would have said Thompson. And was one before that. But Thompson Hoover Central, I think, are the top three teams behind them. Clay Chalkville, I think, is the next best team. And I think Clay Chalkville can hang with all three of those teams in Class 7A. They beat Briarwood last week 56 to 21. This is a Briarwood team that was pretty solid out of Region 5. Uh, the only loss in Region play was to Mountain Brook. Clay Chalkville, they will host Gardendale, who beat Homewood 35 to 27. Score wasn't cl- quite that close. Gardendale had a chance to down the ball. They decided to score a touchdown instead, and Homewood came back and scored a touchdown at the end. 
but uh, it ended up being a one-score game. Gardendale, they beat Homewood. So Gardendale, the three seed, or excuse me, the four seed out of Region 6. They'll travel to Clay Chalville, who was the one seed out of Region 6. And other, otherwise in the north, Pinson Valley, they beat Oxford 20 to nothing. The only other Region 16 did not make it. Jackson Owen, Mountain Brook beat them 45 to 14. We've seen Mountain Brook. Yep. We saw them when they played Thompson. They lost 51 to nothing. But if you saw the scores they have in 6A, I mean, they just run over everybody in Class 6A. They did it to Southside Gaston in the first round, 63 nothing. They did it to a good Jackson Olin team, 45 to 14, who was the two seed out of that region with Clay Chalville, Pinson, and Gardendale. And now they take on a Pinson team um, who is, you know, kind of trying to find their way in the, the post Bo Nix and Patrick Nix era. But uh, Mountain Brook, they're looking pretty good in Class 6A. Well, they are. But, you know, John, you and I both know, and I think we would both pick Clay Chalville to win this whole thing. I mean, this is just setting it up for them. It's going to be a great game. Clay Chalville will handle Gardendale with ease. Then the Mountain Brook-Pinson Valley game, it really doesn't matter. They're going to be the north bracket. And then you go over to the south. And who in the south can beat them? Typical teams like Hillcrest, Tuscaloosa, Sarah Land, Hueytown, and Opelika that we're going to talk about. Out of that, maybe a Hueytown team who's been a sleeper this year could just keeps on winning sneaks on in there but you know good matchups on the south as well yeah the thing about Hueytown is they play clay early on in the season and it was a super high scoring affair if these two teams met in the super seven it ended up being in the hundreds uh with total points i mean it, it'd be 60 something to 40 something i do think clay would end up winning that again if they played but Hueytown has been solid they beat a mcgill Tulin team 49 to 17 a mcgill Tulin team that isn't that far removed from three straight 7a state championship appearances winning one of those against spain park and then beating or losing to hoover the next two years and that was before Thompson uh, and Central kind of had their back and forth and then Auburn last year but uh, McGill Tulin for a long time was that representative out of the South in 7A they beat Pelham then they fall to Hueytown Hueytown beat Eufaula and, and McGill Tulin so far they'll take on Opelika they'll host Opelika because they traveled um, against McGill Tulin Opelika beat Spanish Fort 28-14 to that's a tough second round matchup for either one of those teams Opelika and Spanish Fort I remember when I put the brackets and I was doing my bracketology and I was projecting that was the way it was going to finish because Sarah Lynn had beaten Spanish Fort at that point and both fan bases are saying are you kidding me like i'm not worried about the first game but we got to play opelika oh we got to play spanish for it what kind of second round matchup is that because those are two teams that can make a run to a super seven have made a run to a super seven multiple times so Hueytown's going to host opelika spanish fort is done in the north you mentioned hillcrest and saraland hillcrest tuscaloosa beat baldwin county they had to go down south and beat baldwin county they're going to get to host saraland make saraland come up to tuscaloosa as saraland beat lee montgomery 35 to 7 so hillcrest tuscaloosa will host saraland Hueytown will host opelika it should be a really fun south so john i've always you know had in my mind that team that has to travel is always a little bit of a disadvantage but when you've got to come from mobile to to tuscaloosa that's a long trip for anybody and they're going to do it on friday they'll ride up that morning they'll probably leave about nine they'll stop meet lunch and stretch their legs then they'll come on in they'll go somewhere and rest and they'll work out at another school but that's so different than just having an away game across town or down the street from you so i think it's going to play a toll on sarah land i look for hillcrest tuscaloosa to face Hueytown, we'll see if I'm right. Yeah, it's tough. I did it when I was playing. My sophomore year, we had to travel to – so we lost to Briarwood in the region championship. That meant it's the two seed, which meant we had to travel, kind of like we saw Thompson. We thought Thompson might have to go to Huntsville this year. When I was in Homewood, we had to travel to Fairhope on a Friday, play Fairhope back when it was they were in 5A, back in the old six classification system. And then that Thursday, we had to travel and play BC Rain at Ladd Peebles Stadium. So within six days, we had to play two games in Mobile – 
we won both of them, but the BC Ring game was a lot closer maybe than it should have been. I know I was on the team, so I'm a little biased, but that game shouldn't have been close. It was 28-14. We should have beaten them by 40 points because we were exhausted because we had to leave at, like you said, like 9 o'clock in the morning. We had to hop on a charter bus, drive down. We stopped about Montgomery, ate lunch. We kept going all the way down to Fairhope, played the game. Come back super late, get back at like 4 in the morning that night. Then you got to practice all week long. You got to watch film. You got to go to school. You still got to wake up early. There's no break. Thursday, you got to do the same thing. And then I was the only player that had to go to school that next Friday when we got back because my parents said, you're not missing school just because you played football. <laughs> I was the only football player that came to school that Friday after getting back at like four in the morning. I had to tr- turn around, get up at six and go to school. So it's tough. It wears on you. Trust me. I've been there. I, I was dead when that got over with. So you know, it's as tough. We, as we roll on into 7A now, I'm going to go back to the first round. I think that's what happened to Prattville against Theodore. Not that Prattville could have hung with Central of Phoenix City. But you remember Prattville was in Huntsville one Friday night. The next Friday night they're down at Theodore. They still had Theodore beat and let them up at the end of the game to let Theodore advance. And then, of course, Central jumped all over them, hung 77 on them last week. Uh, So, you know, they'll advance on as uh, Central Phoenix City beat them 77-41. to So uh, that's in the upper bracket of South. In the lower bracket of the South bracket – You've got Enterprise, who beat Fairhope 35-10. to 10. Not quite as far of a drive as it is from That's Bradville. correct. A little, that's right, a lot better. And Auburn beating Baker, which was no surprise at all. Uh, uh, and then moving on to beat Enterprise 56-21. to 21. Auburn, Central, Phoenix City, John. This game, Auburn has grown up as they moved along. This is Keith Etheridge's first year. You expected the first of the year to be a little bit different. But now that they're used to Keith, they've got more of his plays, more of his offense in there. I just think this is going to be a completely different ball game than the first time they met. Well, the one game I think we can point to that lets us think a little higher of Auburn is the IMG Academy game. Now, it's hard to ever truly classify where IMG Academy is in the grand scheme of overall high school football, with, which are actual schools, and it's not just like an academy built for building athletes, basically, like IMG Academy is. Um, it is what it is. Whatever you think about that, that's a different story. But the thing with IMG Academy is they're a team that should go run over every team they play. Not just the Bishop Gormans of the world like they played, but the fact that they played a, a team like Bishop Gorman shows me that people aren't wanting to schedule them as much. And Auburn did take that risk and schedule them. We saw Hoover do it, and they lost bad both times they played them. But Auburn only losing by 10, played that game really closely. That made me think when they went to the playoffs, look, when I was at Homewood, we played Vestavia the last week of the season. We stepped up from 5A to 6A, played a little bit better team. Sometimes we beat them, beat them, sometimes they beat us. But it was a good test going into the playoffs where then you step back down in classification. I can't imagine IMG Academy being that team we play as a warm-up before we go into the playoffs. And when they play them that close, that makes you kind of take a whole different look at it. And the fact that they beat Baker 39-3, to they beat Enterprise 56-21, to that's 30-plus point wins in both their games. Yes, Central did the same thing. Yes, Central hung up 77 on a team like Theodore, who was competing for the region title down in Region 1. I still think Central wins this game, but I think it's a very close ball game. And I think even though you see Central win, it's a respectable finish from Auburn that then Keith Etheridge and Patrick Nix for the next couple of years, depending on what happens with Patrick Nix. I'm still not convinced he'll be there for the long term. But, um, you know, depending on what happens with those two coaches and how they build their programs, um, you know, and the, the players that they have coming back next year, that could be a heck of a rivalry moving forward. I agree. Well, let's talk about the big game, John Thompson and Hoover. You know, I got some stats from the last time that they met. Everybody remembers that 
Thompson was up 21 to seven at the uh, 21 10 at the half, and then just couldn't score in the second half after Connor Harrell went down. Wasn't any kind of a surprise to anybody. Had to put. Uh, Zach Sims in at quarterback, who was just a sophomore, putting him in in that atmosphere. Since then, Zach Sims has grown up. So I'm not even worried if Connor doesn't play the whole game, which he came in the second half last week, back in at quarterback, did a great job. But Thompson ended up losing 24-21. to I just said a minute ago that Auburn was going to play a different game against Central Phoenix City. I have no doubt right now that Thompson is going to bring one of the best games that they've had this year against the Hoover Bucks. And look, when I was a backup and I would come in because we were up 49 to nothing on a team, I felt no pressure whatsoever. The game's not in question. We're not going to lose because I miss a block and the quarterback gets sacked or throws an interception or fumbles it or whatever. So there's no pressure on me. When Zach Sims has had to come in, and every, look, every player treats it differently, don't get me wrong, but when Zach Sims had come in before, it was garbage time. Right. The game was in hand. Thompson had scored 40-plus points in the first half, and it was over at that point. Well, it's a totally different story when you're thrown into the wolves, not only uh, you know in a close ball game, but it's against a team like Hoover who is continually among the top of the, the state every single year. And what people don't remember with that game is that Thompson drove down twice, had the chance to score twice. One time, it was a fumble from him. You could tell he just didn't want to make any rash decision, waited too long, got hit, fumbled the ball, and Hoover got it back. Another time they drove down, had a chance to kick a field goal, which would have ultimately made that touchdown Hoover score just to be a tie or potentially go for two like Hewitt did last week and, and see what happens. But bottom line, just a touchdown would not have lost the game for Thompson, and it was a missed field goal. So... Zach Sims came in and moved the ball and showed, hey, this offense can still do something. Now, fast forward two weeks to Florence when he had to start, and that's arguably the best offensive performance they've had, period, in the first half this entire year because while Thompson could put up you know, 30 or 40 points in the first half, a lot of that's defensive touchdowns, special teams touchdowns, causing a lot of turnovers. That was a straight-up offensive performance. Every point was from the offense. It was a really, really solid performance with the backup quarterback, and so that lets you think, okay, they had two weeks to work with him. He can run this offense as good as anybody now. The next week against uh, Oak Mountain, he came out, did the same thing, played really well in the first half. But then Connor comes back. I tweeted out like, hey, guess what? He's back. He's throwing the ball well. He, threw, he had a couple touchdown passes. I mean, he's looking really good. So they're both there. I don't know who's going to start. I mean, you may have more insight on that than I do. But, I mean, I could see a case for either one of them to start. One is the starter who's going to North Carolina and a senior. One is the capable backup who isn't injured and could easily start the game. And if you've got to make a switch, you've got to make a switch. But now what Hoover needs to be worried about is the fact that there's two now experienced quarterbacks whereas the one who came in before had no experience in a situation like that i agree and and i think there's no big secret now 90 percent chance connor harrell's going to start against hoover but like you just explained we feel good if zach sims has to come back in one interesting fact in that last game thompson had 387 yards of total offense hoover only had 338 so the game was basically the defense just trying their best to keep Hoover off the board. They did a great job up until the last little bit there. And and the Hoover and their quarterback absolutely did a phenomenal job. I mean, Thompson just kept hitting him and kept hitting him. He kept getting back up, limping, bleeding, everything else. But giving credit, he did the job. I'll say this about that game last time. I know we're homers because we do the Thompson broadcast, but – that defense bent a lot and didn't necessarily break. And you say, well, they lost the game. But 
there was a chance that very first drive of the game, Hoover drove all the way down the field, Ben Emeritus threw an interception to end that one inside the red zone. At the end of the half, they had it first and goal. They drove it down to the one-yard line and like two or three plays at the one-yard line, never got in, the half expired. Hoover fans sent plenty of pictures of, I think he got in, but they didn't review anything, and so he didn't get in. And I wonder if Hoover – I never have asked this question, John, but does Hoover not have instant replay of all the teams? There were two times that they should have used it. One was – it was both Hoover offensive plays. One was when they were on the goal line at the end of the half. If they had reviewed it, from a lot of the pictures I saw, good chance he could have potentially have gotten in, depending on the camera angles they have. And then another one, there was a crucial first down Hoover had to get to keep the ball moving to score one of their final touchdowns they had to get to – continue to stay in the game and we were sitting right at the 50 yard line where our press You're box right. is and the dude clearly goes down a yard before the first down marker we go to our instant our, our video cameras look at the replay he's clearly down a yard before they spot the ball awful they give him first down they don't even measure it even though the ball's right at where the line was and they give him the first down and move on so there's two calls there that one could have gone towards thompson's way one could have gone towards hoover's way um you know one would have given him a touchdown one ultimately ended up giving him a touchdown um to where you know we're not trying to say oh it was only Thompson that got screwed both teams it seems like had a chance where they might have gotten uh screwed over a little bit by just trying to make a judgment call on the field so I don't know if they have reviews or not but you better believe if there's something close and they do have it it'll be used this week all right folks if you want to watch that ball game you can watch it at warriornationnetwork.org and when you get on that site you can listen to the game for free you can watch it for the subscription or if you're already a subscriber to the NFHS network by the way, Philip Pritchard and his crew do a great job of bringing you shots that a lot of colleges, quite honestly, are envious of. It's remote cameras um, may even have the drone flying this week at Hoover if we can get permission to do that. So going to be a lot going on, but that's warriornationnetwork.org if you want to watch or listen to the Hoover-Thompson game. An incredible job, Philip and Brittany and the whole team do, uh, do there. And obviously, we're very grateful for all of their work with the Warrior Nation Network. So we'll be calling Thompson Hoover. Winner of that one moves on to the Super 7. Central Phoenix City and Auburn, winner of that one, also moves on to the, the Super 7. We'll have one matchup set next week when we're with you. And I guess that'll be the last podcast because as far as we're hoping, we're hoping we're in the uh, we're at Protective Stadium at, on Wednesday afternoon when we normally tape this, getting ready for Thompson, taking on whoever in the Super 7. You know, John, next week, we're either going to be real happy talking about the Super <laughs> seven or we're going to be real sad so uh uh you know we're thompson homers no doubt about it so i'm gonna say go warriors so we'll see what happens we'll have that we'll have a recap of all 1a through 6a and who those semifinal matchups will be on black friday right here on next round preps